0: Today's reading is from Habakkuk one to 2.1. Habakkuk one, The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet received. How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed, for I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe. Even if you were told, I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people, who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwelling places not their own. They are a feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honor. Their horses are swifter than leopards fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlong. The horsemen come from afar. They fly like a vulture, swooping to devour. They all come bent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. They deride kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at all fortified cities. They build earthen and ramps and capture them. Then they sweep past like the wind and go on. Guilty men whose own strength is their god. O Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, we will not die. O Lord, you have appointed them to execute judgment. O Rock, you have ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrong. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? You have made men like fish in the sea, like sea creatures that have no ruler. The wicked foe pulls all of them with hooks. He catches them in his net. He gathers them up in his dragnet, and so he rejoices and is glad. Therefore, he sacrifices to his net and burns incense to his dragnet, for by his net he lives in luxury and enjoys the choicest food. Is he to keep on emptying his net, destroying nations without mercy? I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me, and what answer I am to give to this complaint. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Well, thanks, Crystal, for reading, and thanks for joining us. Uh, We're going to switch gears from Christmas and go to this prophet, um, this prophetic book uh, with Habakkuk. Uh, It's a very different kind of book. Could I encourage you to uh, get a Bible uh, as we go through the first chapter? Uh, we've had this season where we talked about the light of Christ and the goodness of God and all those things, uh, but we're going to switch gear to actually see the darkness of the world and what happens um, when life doesn't make sense um, to us, and hopefully Habakkuk will guide us in how to respond. But let's pray. Um, once again, I encourage you to get a Bible, um, but uh, as you do that, let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you for your word that these words are living and active and can speak to us and change our lives even today. Lord, we long for your word to come and speak to us this morning. Lord, uh, we pray that you will help us to be ready for whatever that comes. Uh, We we pray that your word will make us a people who can hope um, in you, who can go to you um, when life uh, seems to not make any sense. Lord, speak to us. This morning, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Joel Furches is a psychologist who's done some research on deconversions, how evangelicals go from being evangelicals to atheists. He identified five common sort of backgrounds uh, from which evangelicals deconvert to being an atheist. All five are interesting, uh, but one stands out as we look at the book of Habakkuk together. One is uh, what he calls compulsive certainty. Compulsive uh, compulsive certainty. He says that in a church of this setting, uh, people are encouraged to be certain about everything, everything that they believe in. Any sign of uh, questioning, any sign of uncertainty is uh, equated with uh, disbelief or even backsliding. He says in this sort of environment, actually, this environment this sort of environment becomes a fertile ground for deconversion i'm sure maybe you know churches like that we try not to be like that here in shatin church i hope you can you are encouraged to ask questions here but what's ironic is that a prophet like habakkuk would not have been welcomed in a church like that because habakkuk asks questions tough questions about God and how God rules and maybe even his character. And we'll see then why he asks questions today, when life doesn't make sense. And we'll also see how he responds when life doesn't make sense, and also how God responds to him. This book starts with the question that many of us ask, have asked, and maybe even are asking right now. How long, Lord? How long must I call for help, but you do not listen? He goes on, Or cry out to you violence, but you do not save? He's crying out to God, but God seems silent. Meanwhile, verse 3, Injustice, wrongdoing, destruction, strife keep on going. Habakkuk lived about 600 BC, um, like Jeremiah and others. He saw how corrupt his country became. They were ruled by kings like Manasseh and Amnon, and, and, uh, uh, and how they ignored God's law. Evil kings sacrificed uh, to uh, Baal in high places, and even ch- child sacrifice happened around this time. God's temple was ignored, and it was allowed to fall into ruin. He concludes in verse 4, God's law is paralyzed. It's paralyzed. It was forgotten and ignored. And he cried out for reform and salvation and redemption for his people. And many people in the world are doing the same thing now. South China Morning Post reported about th- that 300,000 Hong Kongers are due to leave to England, uh, to, to the United Kingdom alone. Many who are leaving are saying exactly the same thing, strife, injustice, destruction, violence, conflict. But it's not, it's not just the political system that, asks, or that make us ask these questions. I know a lady whose husband was diagnosed with pan- pancreatic cancer about two months ago. She and her community, her church community, cried out day after day, how long, God? Why do you not answer? Why is there no salvation? There are countless people in this COVID crisis who die in isolation chambers, right? In ICU alone, crying out. How long, God? How long? We're not told how long Habakkuk prayed, but God does answer. In verses 5 to 11, but his answer seems to make even less sense than the condition he was in. Take a look at verse 5. He says, God says, I am raising up Babylonians, ruthless and impetuous people. They're feared and dreaded, uh, and they're law unto themselves. Uh, he, Habakkuk was crying out because of the violence in his own land, and God says, well, I'll raise up this people. I'll answer the question of violence by raising up a people who are known for their violence, who are known for their ruthlessness. God himself concludes in verse 11, these are guilty people whose strength is their own God. Of course, this then raises more questions for Habakkuk. So the rest of the chapter He raises another complaint, verses 12 and on. How can it be that you, verse 13, whose eyes are too pure even to look at evil, can use these treacherous people? How can you um, even... Even admitting Israelites aren't that great, how can you use Babylonians? These are worse people compared to them. We, the Israelites, are more righteous. How can these evil people swallow up more righteous people? Habakkuk then blames God. Israel had no ruler. He had no good ruler to defend them, he says, like fish in the sea, verse 14. And of course, The Babylonians then would come up with their nets and dragnets and drag them along, take them captives and and get rich of the plunder and conquest and to add insult to injury. They don't even acknowledge you, Habakkuk says. They don't acknowledge you. They think that their strength, their own might is their own God. They make sacrifices to their nets and dragnets. They worship their own strength. How can this be, God? How can you use people like this, he asks. The wife cried out for about six weeks. Well, her husband ended up catching COVID in the ICU, and her husband died quickly after that, just recently. How can this be, God? God people who cry out for a better world in Hong Kong and <laughs> elsewhere, you know what's happening. How can this be, God? How can you answer this with something that seems even worse? But before we go any further, I want to pause and go, well, we shouldn't always put ourselves in the shoes, uh, uh, the shoes of the innocent. It should be. Unfortunately, we're often the guilty party. People who do wrong in the world. after all, Habakkuk was speaking at first about the violence and the injustice that's happening within his own country, by his own country people. He was saying, "God do something about this, this world, uh, the, uh, uh, the, 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 uh, my, my own country. All of us still contribute to the evils of this world, don't we? Whether well, it's shopping i don't know cheap goods um, that take advantage of like people in sri lanka or something or uh, uh, that, that 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 we participate in sort of degradation of uh, natural resources in thailand i don't know for a nice instagram photo or uh, cheap uh, shrimp cocktails we all participate in evil and we do it i'm sure more directly in hong kong as well you might say well we're better than the babylonians I hope so. I mean, they were evil people. But some of the things that they do aren't so different from what we do. One of the basic problems with Babylonians was that they worship their idol, their own might. And because of, because of their worship of this, right, they, uh, made all these, uh, ter- they, they have done all these terrible things. They worship the things that they made them rich. And actually, we do the same thing. We worship the things that make us rich whether it's a degree or money or, I don't know, relationship or whatever it is, we uh, worship these things and in worshiping them, we leave a trail of destruction in families, in relationships, in all sorts of different ways. We contribute to the evils of this world. Friends, are there things that we need to repent of? As we start this new year, as we look to this text and the evilness of the world, are there things that we need to repent of? But even after admitting all of that, even after admitting our own sinfulness, there are times in life, actually where we go, I don't understand what's happening. I don't understand why this is happening. I don't understand why God is doing this. Actually, that's the first sober lesson in Habakkuk. There will be times when actually life doesn't make sense. When God doesn't seem to make sense. And we'll have to see. Then Habakkuk responds to this. Well, he takes his complaints directly to God. And after God speaks, well, Habakkuk isn't satisfied. He goes back to God the second time, in the beginning of chapter 2, he says, he, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I'll look to see what he'll say to me and what, uh, what answer I'm, I am to give to this complaint. And you'll see in the footnote, that NIV there, that he, it could be translated as, or to answer when I'm rebuked. He goes to God, not just once, but twice. He says, I'm going to wait for God to speak to me. I'm going to wait until He addresses me and tells me what His answer is. And He's even willing to be, perhaps, rebuked by doing this. When life doesn't make sense, He prays. And that sounds obvious, but actually, it's not something that we often do when we complain when we complain, we mutter it to ourselves, we mutter it to other people. But, as one commentator put it, we tend to complain about God rather than to God. Well, Habakkuk took his complaints directly to God. And look at God how, how God responds. There's no rebuke. There's no, how dare you ask me these questions? God knows how Habakkuk feels. And he doesn't kick him when he's down. Instead, he gently answers. Not just once, but twice in this book. Friends, you don't have to be afraid of how God will answer your questions. He will not threaten you with hell. He will not get angry. What we know about God through the Old Testament, and especially through Jesus, is that He will be gentle with us. As we've done, as we've gone through the Matthew series, and as it was, it was said by Isaiah and quoted in Matthew 12, A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. We can go to him. We can pray to him. And the thing about prayer, this sort of prayer, is that it's a way of affirming and standing on the character and goodness of God. Think about the reason why Habakkuk goes to God. It's because he believes that God is good and he is just. His laws are good. Right. Take a look at once again, verse four. Again, the law is paralyzed. The justice never prevails. Well, he only goes to God because God knows that uh, He knows that this is God's law, that it should prevail. Right? Just God is God of justice because He believes that God will uphold justice. This is this is the reason why he goes to God because He knows He He, he knows this about God that God is good, and that's made even more explicit in his second complaint. Because he says, he, he, he starts a second complaint um, with highlighting or affirming God's goodness. Verse 12, Lord, are you not from everlasting? Are you not mighty and holy, uh, everlasting God? Verse 13, Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. You are holy, God. You, you cannot tolerate wrongdoing. God, th- that's who you are, so that's why I'm going to you. When things don't make sense out there, he does go to God because he knows this about God and he affirms what he knows about God. See, God's character is the reason why we can go to God. Because we know that God is consistent to his character. Think about the opposite. If you don't believe in God, in a God, what grounds, on what grounds can you complain? Almost any religion, I think, is better than having no religion in answering the problem of evil. Because uh, it requires the idea that life should make sense, that the good should win over evil, that there should be justice, not injustice. That there's some redemption through suffering or whatever actually requires that you believe in a God or in some story, overarching story of history. And if you don't believe in God, then actually you don't have that story. You don't have somebody who makes sense of life. So If you're not a Christian, how can you complain? What can you complain about? The idea that there should be justice for everybody is a profoundly Christian belief. And for an atheist, if there's injustice and suffering, evil reigning in the world, well, isn't that just the way that the world is? Isn't that the way that things are? You can complain, but you can't say, this shouldn't be. It just is. But Christians... Can appeal to God and cry out to God about injustice and violence and suffering and pray because we know that life should not be this way. We know that there shouldn't be this sort of suffering and death reigning over the world and evil triumphing uh, seemingly over the world. And when we see it, we can go to God and say, Actually, this doesn't make sense, God. Because we know that God will make sense over this world. Friends, we do have a God who is righteous, who is holy, who has the beginning and the end in mind, who makes sense over this world. We can go to Him and we need only look to Christmas. God who's entered into this world, we need only look to Easter to see what God is doing, God has done, when life doesn't make sense. Friends, do look to what you already know about God. Jesus stand on that solid ground and and on that ground uh, argue with God Uh, pray to God bring your complaints to him and God in his grace answers Habakkuk and what he learns is that God does care about suffering and evil in the world you see when Habakkuk prayed God already had a plan God was going to bring, raise up Babylonians and bring down judgments upon the wicked Israelites. Israelites' sins and evil didn't catch God by surprise, and God already had a plan to judge them. And God knows about the evils of Babylonians as well, Uh, the people uh, whom He chose uh, as his, His instrument of justice. I mean, See how God describes the Babylonians, right? He calls them ruthless, impetuous, law to themselves, promoting their own honor, violent and fierce, guilty people who strengthen their own gods. It's not like he, God needs to be told about how terrible Babylonians are. These are his words. He knows about the evilness of Babylonians. And next week, we'll see how God will judge them and what God will do to the Babylonians. For us to say, actually, God does care, and He does have a plan. You know what this means, though? It means that He also knows about us, what we are going through about our suffering. He cares, and He knows. And this is the, uh, one of the most important things when we suffer, isn't it? That, that we want to be understood. It's one of the most frustrating things when you uh, talk to your loved one about something that is going on in your life, and, and you're frustrated and, and you're hurt by it, and the, this person who loves you actually doesn't understand, doesn't understand, and that you feel that distance. That's the thing. God knows. God knows about the evil that you are going through. God knows about the suffering that we are going through, not just because he's omniscient. But because God became a human being, as we've affirmed in Christmas, became a human being and suffered. He knows what betrayal looks like. He knows what death looks like. He knows what injustice looks like. He knows, and perhaps that's the reason, one of the reasons why He can be so gentle with us. Because He knows. He knows what we're going through. And also He's doing something about it. God was raising up this nation Babylon to be agent of His justice, world history, the rise and fall of empires, and all these things actually are under God's control. It's not just uh, men at work. It's not just people at work. God is at work in history as well. He's working in creating a world without any injustice, without any suffering. We do need to be patient because God has this plan And we might not actually like or understand his plan at first. Habakkuk didn't like God's plan of bringing Babylonians. But um, once again, we will see what God's plan for Babylonians is next week. But for now, can we admit that actually we don't know the whole story? We don't know how our life story will pan out. We don't know how Hong Kong's story will pan out. We don't know how the world's story will pan out, or what will happen tomorrow, I should say. And if we don't know the whole story, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, it's actually hard to judge today. I don't know if you've heard of this story. I've come across this uh, Chinese, uh, uh, old Chinese story. A farmer and his son had uh, this, this horse that they depended on. For their livelihood, and one day it ran away, and his neighbors, their neighbors came and said, "Oh, what bad luck!" And the farmer says, "Well, maybe, maybe not. We'll see." And a few days later, uh, the horse did come back, and actually, it brought back a couple of his uh, girlfriends. (laughs) The the mares came back uh, with them, and now he, instead of one, he had three horses. And the neighbors who looked at this, uh, the, the, the event and said, Wow, you are so lucky. Now you have three horses. And the farmer said, Well, maybe, maybe not. And a few days later, um, the, the son was trying to train and tame one of the uh, wild horses. And then he fell and broke his leg. Oh, once again, the neighbors said, oh, what, what terrible luck uh, that, that you, you are having. Maybe or maybe not. A few weeks later, uh, these soldiers came into the village uh, because there was a war going on, and the king was enlisting all of the able-bodied men. Uh, But they weren't able to take him because the the, the son, because his, his leg was broken. And the villagers said, Wow, how lucky you are that your son doesn't have to go to war. And the farmer said, Maybe, maybe not. The point of the story is actually we don't know how, what tomorrow will bring. And if we don't know, we're not very good interpreters of today. Can we admit that we don't know that the only person who knows what will happen tomorrow is God. And God has planned the beginning and the end. But He's given us ample reasons to trust him even today. About 600 years after Habakkuk, Apostle Paul preached in modern-day modern day Turkey a sermon, and at the end, he quotes Habakkuk five. This is the quotation that's found in Acts 13. I'm going to do something in your days that you would never believe if someone told you. You know, he was speaking about Jesus. He was speaking about Jesus. Habakkuk found it impossible that, uh, that God would bring salvation and justice through these violent and ruthless people, through injustice. But actually, 2,000 years ago, that's precisely what God did. Through violence and injustice, God brought justice. God was able to bring salvation to all people who would turn to Him. But who would have believed it even if someone told them? In darkness, when life doesn't make sense, it's tempting to think that God has made a mistake or God has abandoned us or even worse, that God doesn't exist. Christians, Will you go to God in prayer when the world doesn't make sense? Will you stand on the solid ground of God's character that's revealed through the Bible, through Jesus? Will you come to Him and say, This this is who you are. You can even question Him. You don't have to be afraid of doing so because God already knows the world. God already knows you, and God is already at work. Let's pray. Lord, I don't know what each of us is facing right now, but Lord, we thank you that you do. You know our hurts, not just our physical hurts, but Lord, you know the deepest wounds Um, of our lives you know our psychological hurts our hearts wounds and pains you know the suffering that many of us are going through lord we thank you that you care we thank you that you know us we thank you that you know about the evils and injustice in this world and are already at work but lord sometimes it just seems dark we find it hard to understand. So Lord, help us to stand on what you have revealed through Jesus. Help us to stand on your character that's already been revealed, that we know that you are holy, that you are righteous, that you are loving, that you are already at work. Lord, we pray that that will keep us going that our trust and faith in you, Lord, will keep us going uh, when the darkness hits us. Lord, remind us through these words of Habakkuk, remind uh, remind us uh, through the power of your Spirit. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.